0: Welcome to our first episode of Enculturation Podcast, where we aim to spark curiosity on cultural topics. I'm your host, Katya. Today, our guest is Andy Wynn. Andy Wynn is an integrative nurse practitioner for pediatric and young adults living with autoimmune diseases, and a street dancer representing the artist collective, Styles of Eon. He recently authored and published The Day I Woke Up Different, a story about a Vietnamese American child who discovers self-acceptance. Hey, Andy, thanks for joining us today. Um, We're glad to have you on our very first episode of Enculturation Podcast. Welcome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pleasure to be here, an honor to be here. Um, So really appreciate you all having me here uh, on Enculturation Podcast, the very first episode. Wow.
0: Welcome. Can you give us a little introduction about you?
1: Yeah, so um, I am, uh, do I, I guess my name, Andy A. Nguyen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm a nurse practitioner, uh, you know, been in healthcare for about like 16 years, um, muscle street dancer, started out breaking when I was in middle school. Um, and then, you know, as I got older, I got to different styles and kept with, the uh, you know, the, the, the dance. And then recently I, I became an author of a children's book called the day I woke up different. Um, it's a story about a Vietnamese child who discovers self-acceptance.
0: So, what are some fun facts or achievements that the day I woke up different had?
1: Yeah, you know, with um, this book, the day I woke up different, I, I didn't imagine it, you know, go as far as it did. It's now in five different countries. Um, you know, it's it's even you know people from South Africa have even read parts of this book. Um, but you know, it's in New Zealand, Germany. Uh, obviously Canada and US um, and uh, to name a few. Um, So that's, to me, that's, that's crazy to me. That's, it's in those different parts of the world. It's been utilized in uh, people's theses for their, um, you know, this is a sociologist in New Zealand who lectured on it in her uh, university lecture. And she wrote like, you know, she used parts of it um, in her thesis. So, you know, we're in academia now. It's pretty dope. It's being lectured now in, you know, Uh, elementary schools in Boston and uh, ethnic study uh, schools um, and middle school ethnic studies. I mean, it's being lectured in in, uh, middle school ethnic studies. Those are amazing achievements um, where I'd never thought, you know, this book would make it there. So, you know, uh, yeah, very proud of of those accomplishments.
0: That's very, that's very fascinating. Has it um, been a part of any reading circles or been introduced into school programs now?
1: Uh, yeah. So the Boston, um, uh, school programs, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're lecturing on it in the LA, uh, ethnic studies class, like it's being lectured on for, um, you know, in regards to like what's going on now, like, the Asian American hate crimes have been going on. And so, you know, uh, the, the, the ethnic studies teacher, uh, in LA is, uh, using this book as a tool to kind of help kids think about, you know, anti-bullying. Um, and to connect with the the Asian American you know demographics, uh, so yeah,
0: that's beautiful. So can you tell us a little bit about your book that you brought today, the day I woke up different, and what were your, the intentions you had for writing this book?
1: So the day I woke up different, uh, it's really a book. Uh, even though it's written, um, the process written from the Vietnamese American um, lens, it's really about waking up one day and realizing you're, you're, you're different, uh, from the rest of the world and society and, uh, you know, feeling a little lost. I think a lot of people can really identify them with that. Right. Um, and so th- this book was really intended to help people to go on that journey of self-discovery, um, in order to, you know, find self-love essentially. The reason why I wrote it was, you know, one, I didn't, you know, growing up, you know, in America, you know, being an Asian male, we or just Asian in general, we didn't really see ourselves represented in, um, you know, stories, media, um, and books. And so, you know, when I started seeing, you know, more narratives come out from different demographics, I really wanted to see, you know, my story. Um, uh, out there and so my story meaning like people like me the Vietnamese, Asian Americans um, you know uh, our story uh, out there so I wanted to write a story that you know and show people that, hey we really vibe with each other we really recognize each other and so you know that that's, that's essentially why I decided to write The Day I Woke Up Different
0: That's really beautiful so can you recall possibly reading books when you are younger that had Asian Americans in it? Or would you say your book's the first of its kind?
1: I won't say it's like the first of its kind, but it's it's in like the early phases of, you know, Asian American representation in, uh, you know, literature, um, American literature. Um, Growing up, you know, we had books like Calvin Hobbes. Uh, We had, you know, like, you know, Charlie Brown movies. Um, You know, we had, uh, a lot of, you know, we had, you know, read the great Gatsby of *My and men, like those were our school uh, books. And it, it came from like, you know, the Western side, um, you know, I didn't see any Asian stories, um, really out there. I and mean, if they were like, they weren't really accessible and, or I didn't resonate to the stories, um, uh, you know, they're either, you know, Chinese, uh, you know, um, stories, Chinese-American stories um, or their, you know, white stories, um, you know, black stories, but I didn't really see, uh, you know, Southeast Asians, um, other demographics out there. So, yeah.
0: When would you say that the Asian-American literature movement began in the United States?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm not exactly, you know, I'm not exactly sure when it began, um, you know, because I I know there, there are some stories out there early on from like, you know, Asian American authors. But in terms of, you know, gaining steam, I'd say within the last, you know, several years, I I noticed a lot more, especially with social media, like, you know, pumping out these stories. I mean, we have like, you know, authors like, you know, Viet Thanh Nguyen, who is a Pulitzer Prize winner. He wrote, you know, The Sympathizer, and he now now has a second book out. We had Bao who, you know, I'm going to be, you know, speaking alongside at the Wind Loop. Bao Phi, I don't know if you know, he's like a Vietnamese American poet who, um, you know, was on like, you know, I like think deaf poetry like way back in the day. Um, and he won like awards for his poetry. So he's, he's an author, T Bowie. So, you know, um, uh, she's like an illustrator, but she also has a, a, a book out. Um, so, so there's like, there are these, you know, authors out there, um, to name a few, uh, but, you know, I, th- I, I really feel like within the last like several years, you know, um, that's when we've been noticing them a lot more.
0: What would you say your favorite book is in the Asian-American literature genre?
1: Yeah, ooh, that's a really good. Being Vietnamese-American, uh, you know, it's. I get excited when I see our stories out there. So, you know, I might sound like a broken record, but yeah, like I think for me, um, when I read The Sympathizer, uh, even it's not a children's book it's like a like actual like a you know fiction novel based off of you know the Vietnamese like American experience and, and like you know U.S. imperialism but I thought it would, you know Viet ton when he really built this amazing character who like essentially is a is spy you know he's like and I don't want to give too much of the book away but he's, he's a he's a spy um you know and he kind of navigates between like many different cultures, whether it's, you know, uh, with the communists, with like the South, uh, Vietnamese American, uh, military or, uh, you know, in America. Right. So it's just, it's very dynamic. And I thought it was really incredible how he pulled this character off and humanized him. Um, he's, you know, being a spy, you know, yeah, wow. very unique.
0: That sounds like a fascinating read. I'll have to put it on the list
1: yeah yeah i I highly recommend it i mean it's getting made into uh i think either a movie or like a tv series i can't remember it's being like um some it's gonna be made into some uh you know some form of a um you know visual uh you know arts
0: incredible yeah so back to the book can you tell us who did the art it just i was looking through it and the art and it's just absolutely incredible
1: yeah thank you yeah yeah um that uh, the, the, the artist is, uh, T Dawn. Um, she is, uh, actually my cousin, um, and she is an amazing, uh, watercolor, um, painter. And, um, you know, this is actually her first, uh, you know, children's book, uh, illustration project. And I basically, you know, had this idea of this book, um, you know, you know, about four or five years ago. And, I, you know, I pitched it to her, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm, or yeah, yeah I'm, I'm on board." And so we started going, and so we had to learn through this process. But yeah, T Doan T Art is um, her, you know, her uh, you know, her her, her website is T That's kind of her her tag there. But um, yeah, she she uh, she did an amazing job, and she built this whole palette off of this book. Um, it was a learning process, and and it, and it you know it took a lot of work. to to do. Um, And one of the reasons why, you know, we decided on watercolor is because in Vietnamese culture, when we're, you know, studying back and looking back through the history, we wanted to see what are the, you know, main uh, pieces of, um, you know, art within Vietnamese culture, right? Because, you know, the goal of the book was not only to write a story about with Vietnamese American characters and, but it was also to you know essentially take our history and our heritage you know put it in a modern piece of art where people could resonate with hold in their hands and really like you know open and feel uh, you know the history the heritage essentially to carry forward you know the the messages of our ancestors the art that our, of our ancestors that they um you know they left for us too uh to to, to carry forward to the next generation and so, in doing our research, you know, the three um, big art pieces within the Vietnamese culture was, um, you know, proverbs. Right? It's a big proverb uh, culture. You know, stemming from you know, uh, you know, some some you know, Confucius. Uh, you know, proverbs. Um, proverbs are like poems. That's why it's written in poetry. Um, and also, uh, you know, watercolor painting. You know, and so that's one of the big. Art, art styles and so we that that's, that's essentially why we um you know decided to go with the watercolor so each each um scene is actually a physical print like she water painted every single um illustration and so what we had to do the challenge was that we didn't know what we we're doing with this book so we actually had to you know figure out how to scan the, these um you know prints high, in high quality. Um, digitalize it, you know, and then, um, you know, bring it into a digital format uh, in high enough quality so that when we print it out into like a, a book back into a physical form, you know, going from physical to digital to back to physical, uh, it still um, maintains um, its integrity. Um, I mean, but if you see each painting, like it's, T did an amazing job. It's like beautiful. Like it's like a thousand times, like, like you know, you know, more amazing than what this book. And I think the illustrations in this book, like, I mean, I'm biased, right? But I think the illustrations are amazing already. But If you, you know, if you ever, if we ever, um, you know, get get like a, to the point where we can have an art gallery, and that was the intent too, was to have an art gallery on this book in the, in the future. Um, but when, you know, we get to finally show the world, the actual physical paintings, like I think everyone is gonna be amazed.
0: Wow, can you show a few of the pictures to the camera?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So let me...
0: absolutely incredible art.
1: Let's do the Vietnamese scene, Vietnam scene. So this is a pretty, pretty, pretty awesome one. And so this details the, you know, Vietnamese um, uh, refugee, immigrant, American journey from Vietnam to Galang, the island where the refugee camps were. You know, they, they some people went by boat, um, some people you know got there, like, you know f- flew there. Most people got there and got there by boat, and then from Galang, you know they flew to America. Some people went to, you know, I think it's like Arkansas. I think that was like one of the places they they went first. Then like to, to Philadelphia, to like you know New York. My parents they ended up um uh, staying out in New York, uh, you know after they got you know their sponsors. So then we you know our family was rooted in um. Uh, the Queens, New York, so that's why there's you know that uh, Statue of Liberty. It also represents America too, and then you know you see th- throughout you know this kind of flow where you have like you know the lotus flower, which is the national flower of Vietnam, right? You know, um, you know beauty from mud. That's what the lotus represents, and it flows into roses, which is the American flower.
0: You know? Beautiful. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. And uh, is this corn?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Harvesting corn. Yeah. Yeah. Corn. Cause it's, you know, American crop.
0: The three oh, sisters.
1: Exactly. They're crops of the Americas, which is the corn. Yeah. Glad you picked it up.
0: Yeah. This is incredible. Yeah. Gorgeous. Wow. Thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Should I share another one? You're going to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's share one more.
1: Yeah. I think let's share this food one. Cause this is one of my favorite scenes here food, right? Cause I, you know.
0: Best food in the world.
1: I, um, I mean, I'm biased. So, <laughs> you know, I've like that's my top for, you know, foods, right? And so, you know, we have, you know, the pho, which is what Vietnamese food is most known for. And then you have bun sale, which is, you know, Vietnamese, most Vietnamese people, or Vietnamese Americans, if you ask them what their favorite food is, is probably bun sale. Mm-hmm. you know? And then, um, then we have uh, bún bò huy, which is another favorite. It's a spicy soup. And then we have like ganjua, which is like you know kind of like, it's like a tamarind soup. It's kind of like like you know Philippines. Like they have their sinigang. We have our ganjua. Kind of battle me and my wife. My wife's Filipina. so we will duke it out. Uh, which is better? I like ganjua. She likes sinigang. Um, and then titka titka, which is you know just like caramelized uh, meat, and you know that's like a staple, to the to the comfort food of the comfort food for for Vietnamese food. Bun mi, which is. Everyone loves banh mi, which, you know, if you know, like, uh, the history of banh mi, it's basically like, um, you know, when the, during the French uh, occupation, you know, um, you know people needed to make food for, you know, school kids. And the best way was, like, you get this, like, you know, French bread, stuff it with Vietnamese meats, some, you know, carrots and daikon. They wrap it in, like, you know, rubber band and, like, a little thing and they had it to go. So, like, they, they, they would pass it out. Really quickly, as a you know, food for for kids and you know people to on to go, and it just became like a Vietnamese staple. And it's like it's very you know, it's like a um, bun Mi is like you know a good representation of like like you know all the footprints into Vietnam, you know, um, the different cultures, the different timelines, and it's like a mixture. You know, it's like it's like to me, bun Mi is like you know the perfect example of what this book is all about. You know. Being like, you know, learning to accept yourself and, you know, it's like putting all the best parts of the world, whether, you know, where it came from good or bad, you know, just the, the, the best of everything into a me. so, yeah.
0: And I love the dogs.
1: Dogs are very American, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the way we treat and care and tend to our, our, our you know, canine friends, like, so like their family members. And it's like an oddity to a lot of Vietnamese families. You know, like, oh, why do you treat your... Your dog's so good, you know, I have my, my dog, my miniature dachshund, I carry her everywhere and take her everywhere with me and like give her the, the best foods. And it's a very Western uh, thought, but, you know, and so that, you know, they represent that, that, that piece of, uh, you know, the, the, the American culture in the book.
0: That's beautiful, and then the ties with the lotus and the rose yeah. and, you know, the banh mi with the, um, you know, the French influences within now modern Vietnamese cuisine. Absolutely. It's absolutely incredible you yeah Yeah. so can you tell me what experiences or thoughts have guided you into the making of this story like but like like what what brought you what when did you wake up different
1: yeah that's a great question um yeah you know I took when writing this book I took a lot of my own personal stories um and my experiences and you know placed into this book um, you know, early on, like I grew up in, um, like in Beaverton, which is, uh, like a sub suburbs, 10 minutes outside of Portland, 10 to 20 minutes outside of Portland. And it was before, you know, what, you know, now people know Portland, Portland as Portlandia because, of, because of the show. But prior to that, um, you know, in like the late eighties, early nineties, um, the neighborhood I grew up in was pretty much a farm town. And. It was all fields. You had bunnies. You had like, your, you had horses around. You had cows in our backyard even. And, uh, you know, it was, in, 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 you know, there wasn't that many. We had, In our neighborhood, we had a handful of Vietnamese kids because for some reason on the west side, that's where we were at. Majority of the Vietnamese kids in Portland were on the east side of Portland, a deep east. And so I didn't even know that they existed um, really. And it was primarily, like predominantly white. Um, there are a few black kids, um, some Koreans, good Latinos, Latinas, a uh, good amount of um, that, that demographic. And so, you know, we had different cultures around, but it was primarily white. And, you know, being Vietnamese, I was raised in a Buddhist, um, you know, home as well. And so I'd, I'd rock the, you know, the Buddha, like the Buddha chains with the, the jade uh, pendant. Um, and so, you know, me also looking, having a round face, very slanted Asian eyes. I, you know, I stood out, and from my early age, you know, walking to school, I remember, you know, I was in kindergarten, and these sixth graders who were way taller than me, they had hoods on, not like Ku Klux Klan hoods, you know, a bit like they, they had, you know, hoods on, and they're, they're scary, you know, they intimidate me, and I was, I was very small, and you know, I'd get picked on, I'd get, you know, spit on, I get pushed on, and it was every recess that I get, you know, get picked on, and then, you know, having buddha necklaces you know i'd have you know the kids like you know these white kids just surround me in a circle and they would uh you know tell me like like go back to your where you came from you know like like you know your are God and they'd say like your god sucks and like in my mind i'm like buddha is not a god what do they mean like and i didn't get it i didn't understand that they're being racist or mm-hmm. discriminatory i just that they're being illogical it's like Mean go back to where I came from, I was born here. doesn't make sense to me. So, and you know, so that was my first experience of feeling othered. And, you know, as I kind of kept hearing those things, I kind of slowly learned, oh, I am, it's cause I'm different, you know, I don't look like them. I don't, you know, I have like black hair. Um, you know, there's even a, a piece in the story where it says, you know, like, you know, um, you know, they asked me, like, what are you? And I, I I hear that all, I heard that all the time growing up. What are you? What are you? You know, they really mean, you know, people really mean, like, what ethnicity are you? You know, um, but, uh, you know, people, you know, in Portland back then, they didn't know how to ask that question. Like, what ethnicity are you? Like, like, where are you from? Like, I'm American. Like, what are you? I'm human. They kept asking me, what are you? What are you? And one day I kind of started understanding what they meant what these kids meant. And this on the playground. I can't remember what grade I was. I think it's like either second grade, third grade, something like that. Grade school. You know, they kept asking me, what are you? And then like, you know, I looked like, I'm like, okay, there's that the, the, the tall black kid who's really good at basketball. Um, You know, there's another black kid, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of white kids. Uh You know, I see, you know, a kid that looks at me, he's Korean. But like, okay, one kid, I'm like, but like, man, like, what am I like? but you know we in america we live in a you know a very black and white world right and asians were you know historically have been invisible um and so you know even in you know media movies you know where either you were emasculated or we're just not even seen like i can't remember the last time other than bruce lee and jackie chen there was an asian american and jackie chen's not even asian american right he's asian um, Bruce Lee's like, you know, Asian American because he's born in San Francisco and but he has journey, right? So like, you know, how many years apart like we had like maybe three in Jet Li maybe like examples of Asians in media, right? And so we live in a very black and white world and so like as a kid not seeing anyone who looked like me um, you know, I was like, huh, what am I? Well, I'm not you, white kid I'm not you, black kid but, you know, I have black hair my skin, I guess I'm half black and half white. And that's, I literally said that, wow. you know, and cause I, that's that's why I thought I was half black and white. Cause it's like, what, what, as a kid, like, you know, you don't really know any better. I don't know what, your parents don't tell you you're Vietnamese American, tell you your, our parents only told us to speak Vietnamese. <laughs> that's all I knew, Việt, speak Vietnamese, right? Um, and so I didn't know what Asian American was. I didn't know what Vietnamese American was. I just knew there's black people, white people, and there's me and a kid that looks somewhat like me, but isn't it not me? Um, but, you know, so yeah, you know, uh, those are kind of like my examples of you know realizing I'm, I'm different.
0: <laughs> That's incredible. Thanks for sharing your story. Yeah. So with this in mind, what are some of your goals for sharing this story to the world?
1: Yeah, you know, I think with this story, I want to, you know, show people that we're our stories are are of value. That you know, our experiences being Asian American, um, Pacific Islander American um, are valuable. Um, you know, I, I want people to from this story to. to you know to learn self acceptance um you know cuz you know as an asian american um i you know i had a you know i had, I had like major identity issues um as i kind of described um, earlier right and it was you know it was really through my journey of self acceptance that i was able to you know find my purposes and um, my belonging, and I hope through this, um, you know, this narrative that you know people can relate to, you know, our experiences, and really, you know, connect with us, humanize us, and also learn something about themselves too. The way this book is written, it's like it's it's really the way it ends. It's really like made to be the start of your journey.
0: I see. That's really beautiful. What a marvelous creation. So, can you tell me when did you really f- identify yourself or f- see yourself as Asian American? When did that belonging become a part of you?
1: No, that's that's a great question, you know. It it, it wasn't until a little later in life, you know, cuz you know, going back, you know, I never really felt completely American from by American standards um you know I'm a soft-spoken Asian guy and kind of just you know do my thing and then when I flew back to Vietnam right I was like okay I see a ton of people who don't really look like me still right because I look like I look lighter than the people in Vietnam they're very dark-skinned uh in Vietnam and so I didn't really feel like there either I was like you know I remember on the plane home I was I was in third grade and flying home and I remember, you know, thinking to myself, oh man, I'm gonna finally go to a place where I feel like my family is, feel like I belong. I get there and I'm like, man, nobody looks like me. And then I experienced some discrimination over there too where because I'm American, people, people would try to, you know, rip me off or, you know, kids would throw rocks at me because I looked lighter than them. And so, you know, I spent all these years trying to like, you know, navigate, you know, being different from every place in the world now, you know, not just in America, but also Vietnam. But it wasn't until, you know, I found, you know, dancing, um, you know, where I learned how to channel, you know, character, you know, this persona I want to be. And as a a breaker, you know, as a B-boy, you know, you got to be like fresh, you know, you got to be dope, or else you're going to get like, then, you know, like you can get clowned on, like really hammered on, um, you know, if you sucked. And so, you know, you know, I had to really work hard at being decent. And, and when I competed, you know, you had to go in, in the cipher and where your you spotlight's on you, and you can't fake. Or I mean, I mean, I did fake because I, you know, wasn't that as confident. But you you couldn't show that you were nervous or now you get clowned on, right? So I had to pretend to, you know, be confident. I, pretend to, I had to pretend to be the person that I wanted to be. And from that, you know, that, those moments of, like, you know, dance competing and, you know, articulating myself into my body, I kind of learned self-expression and learned, like, like my own personal value, my intrinsic value. And so, you know, that was probably when... And I started dancing in middle, middle school, like breaking in middle school. So I'd say middle school, high school was when I started my journey of like, you know, self acceptance, you know, through, it was really through dance and through art that I really, um, you know, found my voice and my identity.
0: So being born in the United States, how did you, how were you able to connect to your roots as a Vietnamese American? Like growing up, did you feel any connection to your roots or was it just something that was there? Can you tell me how you were able to connect with them?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you know, growing up in a Vietnamese household, I was very. I felt different than my family. It's my my siblings and my cousin T and Phuong Nam, you know, um, you know they they spoke better Vietnamese. Everyone spoke better Vietnamese than I did in 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 our, in our home. And, I, and like, even though T and Phuong Nam they they grew up in a separate home, their mom took care of me a lot. So you know, their mom essentially was like my second mom. Um, and so you know, they're kind of essentially like even though they're my cousins. They're more like my sim- siblings. Um, you know, so me and my sister would go there a lot. So there's like four of us that are pretty close but I was, I always, I was the only boy. So I felt, you know, odd already. And the traditions of Vietnamese culture, I didn't really connect with. Cause you know, our parents don't really, there's a language barrier, right? They, my parents didn't speak English, like almost no English at all. So I'm like at 10 years old, I'm already like trying to translate these like legal documents for them. Right. So there's that language barrier there. And so they couldn't really articulate and explain things to me. So I spent a lot of years, like you know, not liking Vietnamese culture. At times, even hating Vietnamese culture because of I only experienced, I only felt the bad parts. Even though I, I may have experienced both the good and bad, I only felt the bad, bad parts of it. And so learning to navigate that, I think it wasn't until I got older, you know, I started, you know finding more, you know, self-love, self-acceptance. And, you know, that helped me to kind of like dodge the negative parts of the culture to find the more beautiful parts. Going back to Vietnam pretty frequently um, was really helpful, you know. I started going in third grade, and every two years I'd go back to visit my grandparents, right? And it was really my grandparents that, um, and my aunt, I'd say, I give her big credit for like, you know, installing, um, you know, the pieces of culture that I love, um, you know, like, cause I built a connection to them. Like my grandpa sitting on the curb with my, you know, old grandpa, him, having him tell me stories from the Vietnamese perspective of what happened even during the war and what went on with their family and, you know, learning my heritage, learning my history of, you know, my ancestors, that's when I th- felt more connected to, um, you know, the culture, um, because, you know, it kind of gave me like a sense of root. Going back to Vietnam, building connection to my aunt, my elders, my grandparents, you know, that was a big part. And food too. Food was a huge, you know, piece of me being proud of my culture because, you know, um, Vietnamese culture, people would love. I mean, is I know it sounds weird, but like, you know, people would always come, like, you know, I'd always go to like places and non uh, non. Uh, you know, non-Vietnamese people, mainly non-Asian people um, would come to me and like, you know, no, I'm Vietnamese and i like, yo, you know, they would not wanna say yo, but they're like, hey, you're Vietnamese? I love pho, I love pho, that's it, pho, right? And like, yeah, it's like, okay, it's a weird way to like, you know, try to build connection, but I get it, right? I get they're trying to find a connection with me, right? Because We look different. They might not know much about me yet, right? So they're trying to build rapport by saying the one thing they know is like the food, pho, right? And so the food always like, you know, and I love Vietnamese food. I've always loved Vietnamese food. That was always a constant. And so as I I got older, I started loving Vietnamese food even more. And so that, you know, naturally helped me even build my, my love for my Vietnamese, you know, heritage even more. Elders and food, I'd say, in a nutshell.
0: I love it. Yeah, food is the glue of culture in a way; it brings everyone together. Right. So, to the other Vietnamese Americans out there, what would you recommend for them? You know, if they, if you were once in their position, what would you recommend for them to connect back to their roots? Hmm.
1: That's that's a really good, you know. I'd say there's different ways to go about it, right? I mean, some people have the opportunity to know about their family, and you know, so if you do have that opportunity to learn more about your your family's history, I'd say start there because the family history, the you know, everybody, no matter your Vietnamese, you know, your your your, your African, your Irish, your you know. What, what, whatever you know, like, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, everybody, you know, has a very amazing family history. You know, whether it gets cut off somewhere, whether 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 it's like not something you may want to hear, but it's it's a part of like the, the whole picture, right? And I think, you know, going back, a lot of times building connection with your ancestors. You know, even if it's direct ancestors or even if it's not direct ancestors, I think that really helps to build self pride, self love, self acceptance, right? Cause you've learned a piece, a foundation of yourself, right? That's, and then you, along the way, you'll find something amazing, I'm, I'm sure of it. So I think that, that, that's one way, you know. Another way is just like, you know, visiting, you know, Visiting like, you know, like, uh, you know, wherever you're from, like, you know, uh, wherever your, your, your heritage is from, like visiting that area, learning its history and like what the cool things about it are that stand out that you resonate with, right? Like, you know, I don't resonate with everything in Vietnamese culture, but there's a lot of Vietnamese things in Vietnamese history that um, I really do resonate with and it makes me proud. Like, it's like, oh, there is a space in in history that, that, that I belong to and that I resonate with, that I vibe with. And so that, building that connection. So really, I mean, finding multiple pathways to build connection. I mean, food's always a, a good way. Like we've been talking about it, right? Like um, Vietnamese food is amazing. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, finding ways to build connection. And, and I, I think for me, Vietnamese culture, you know, is really big on elders and ancestors and food, so I think those are good ways to start.
0: I like it, I like that list. So, for non-Vietnamese people, what's your favorite non pho dish that you would recommend for us to try?
1: Ah, that's a good one. Ooh, that's a very good question. <laughs> so, I mean, everyone knows banh mi, so that's kind of like, you know, that's always a recommendation, but something, I'd, you know, I'd say banh sao Unsale is like a, always a winner. It's like uh, the Vietnamese crepe, um, you know, and different parts of Vietnam may eat it and make it somewhat different, but the, the, the fundamentals of it is is pretty, you know, um, you know, it's similar. It's like, you know, mung bean uh, mixture uh, batter that they, they do in a crepe and they put like, you know, bean sprouts and pork sometimes or, you know, shrimp, or they can do it without, if you're vegan, you can do it without that stuff too. I think bun Bunseo is a a winner, always a winner in my book.
0: <laughs> and this, is it something that you could get at almost every Vietnamese restaurant, you'd say?
1: No, actually, it's...
0: Where, very... where can I go?
1: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I mean, if you're ever in Alameda, I think there's, you know, places like Side Street, for, you know, there's there's restaurants that, that do have Bunceo, Um but to get it authentic, you, you got to go to, or, you know, the... Mama's uh, Kitchen. Mama's Kitchen, like <laughs> Auntie, Viet Auntie, like... Yeah, yeah, you just got to go to Via Auntie. Um, You know, there's no restaurant uh, that can compare. So, you know, you got to get at home. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, with everything you've been telling me about living as a Vietnamese American in the United States, how would you say you balance your life living between two cultures?
1: Yeah, you know, when I was younger, I think I had a lot of trouble with balancing the culture because, you know, times were different. I didn't feel like things would be as accepted as they are now. And so I had to code switch a lot, you know, like in this, you know, trifecta of world, you know, whether it's black culture, white culture, Asian culture, Vietnamese culture, you know, I had to learn to code switch quite a bit. Um, but I'd say nowadays, you know, uh, you know, it's like we're in a space where we can be authentic with ourself and I can now, wear myself, my full self on my sleeve. So I can I can I can wear my Vietnamese parts, you know, on my sleeve. I can I can, you know, I can speak out in the open in, in Vietnamese without, you know, here in the Bay Area, without uh, you know, being told like, you no, know, English only, man. You know? Um so nowadays, like you know, I don't really have to balance too much. Uh I can just be myself and be all the parts of myself and it's more accepting, which is really nice.
0: Has this been a moment you've looked long forward to?
1: I don't know if I ever looked for it because I didn't know it existed, to be honest. Um, but when I moved to California it, you know and seeing living in areas where there's more people like me, and when I see people like me more like Vietnamese Americans who felt the same ways I did, it was nice. It was nice, and just being able to be myself, even at you know having people find value to me speaking Vietnamese and you know knowing understanding Vietnamese like culture and cultural context, uh, even when I'm in on the hospitals, that's really cool. You know, I think that's that to me that's, that's that's been really really dope to to be able to you know to live.
0: How often would you say you speak Vietnamese?
1: I mean. Like full sentences, or like I mean, we like we'll say stuff like you know, like you know, bad words <laughs> to each other. Like all all my friends know all the cuss words because I say them all the time, and it's like not like I don't even cuss that much in English, but if for some reason, like cussing in Vietnamese, it just reminds me of my my Viet uncles, right? <laughs> and so you know, I kind of you know throw out like a no man, like you know, just um, in honor of my Viet uncles and, you know, and you know, our friends, our group of friends, we just, we just go, in. so I mean, I speak it pretty much every day. You know, my my wife knows all these words too, but in terms of full sentences, it, you know, it's probably at least, at least once a week, cause I, you know, I talk to my parents and my aunt and whenever I speak with Vietnamese patients.
0: I like that. So, since you're a new father, and congratulations, Thanks. by the way, are you starting to speak Vietnamese with your own child?
1: Yeah, you know I try to, and you know my my wife she's a Filipina, and you know her she has like you know she's from the, um, the, the Visayans, uh, uh, so her her dad speaks Visayan, her um, Visayan, sorry, uh, and then her mom, you know, they all speak Tagalog um, as well, and so I'm trying to teach him all those plus Vietnamese plus English and. Throw in some Spanish and I'll I'll count to Japanese because I I took Japanese for three years. And so we're going to try to teach our son all the languages, not just (laughs) Vietnamese or English and English, all of them.
0: That's good. We got to spread more language acquisition in the United States with our youth.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's like for me, my experience is working in the hospital, right? Like there are times where, you know, even just speaking one word in someone's native language, like just the effort, right? It meant so much to them, especially at someone's most vulnerable spot. And you know, that taught me like connection, to be able to connect with so many different people from all walks of life is an amazing experience. And so, yeah, we absolutely got to build, bring in more languages in this society.
0: Yeah, language is a network
1: absolutely yeah the more you can communicate to the more you know you can build bridges with
0: absolutely so have you read your story to your your baby yet?
1: absolutely yeah how many times i read a a couple times i mean he's still like he's seven months old so he he's kind of like oh like like how can i eat this book (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no i I read it a couple times yeah
0: are there any pictures within the book that he's gravitated the most towards
1: yeah, I, I don't know if he's, I haven't really noticed that. He just he just tries to chew at everything, so. Aww. Yeah, yeah. So maybe one day, though, because, you know, the character, you know, I think as he gets older, he, he may see himself in it, you know, because he looks similar to me. And he has my wife's features as well, but, like, structurally, uh, you know, head shape-wise and, you know, hands and you know all that he looks similar to me. And he has the monolid like me, so he may see himself one of these days.
0: I bet you're very excited to share this book with him, especially when he starts learning how to read.
1: Yeah, you know, I think my hope is, you know, that he'll see dad's name, Baba, Ba's name, right? He'll see Ba's name um, on this book and whether he values it early on, I hope, you know, if not, you know, 10 years, 20 years when he's like older, and he's, you know, more of a full person. He'll understand, you know, the gravity of this book. And so, yeah, you know, hopefully, but who knows? He's just be like, yeah, it's bah, It's bad, it's bad, yeah.
0: So I know that you started your own publishing company, Fourth World Press. Was this book um, the reason why you created it? Can you tell a bit why you created this company?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, Essentially, this book is, you know, self-published by me, but through a publishing company, which is Fourth World Press. Essentially, you know, when we created this project, we understood the value of this project and we understood of what role it can play for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wanted to build streamlines for, you know, future stories to continue it, to to build on it, we didn't want it to this just be a one and done thing. Um, you know, we wanted to be able to tell more stories that we have, and that, and to eventually expand to our communities and to help them tell their stories. Obviously, it's gonna it's a long journey ahead because we're just starting out and we don't have at this point we don't have like the the big resources. But we you know we're building the road roadmap there to be able to you know help people tell their stories that that you know where they felt that you know their voices haven't been heard of. so that that's the main goal
0: so what's the reason why you chose the word fourth world
1: i mean again i'm, I'm probably biased and i probably sound like i'm like you know just pat myself on the back all the time um in the back all the time um but fourth world press to me has a, a very deep meaning right if we were to look at gdp right you know first world second world third world right you know, first world being like something like a place like America, where they grow, they have like a lot of gross, you know, uh, yearly gross of uh, resources. And then second world now is like you know more like you know Vietnam's climb up there. It used to be third world, and yeah, third world country where Vietnam used to be, where they're very very poor countries that don't make a lot of uh, annual profits um, grossly um, for the country. And so when you look up the term fourth world. That goes even deeper, where it's, you know, it's they ha- almost have no GDP, right? And they're seemed as being poor, but really, if you look really deeply in that, it's like that. F- there, the f- that fourth world is basically basically they don't rely on governments, they don't rely on, you know, um, these you know you know financial incentives and monetary uh, to to the base of their society. They're hunter hunter and gatherers essentially tribes um the fourth world where they are self-reliant and so we you know wanted to embody that self-reliance like that's what we are it's a, this is an independent publishing company right um and so we're relying on ourselves um you know to uh you know, you know distribute this you know and then we rely on ourselves to you know help you know sustain ourselves so that's why you know you know we're fourth world start you know stem from and also the other part of it is that you know we want to write stories of compassion right like stories of like positivity of love um and so you know when you look up you know fourth chakra right <clears throat> you know the fourth chakra is a heart chakra um and you know it, it embodies compassion love um and so that's you know that's also like a part of that too you know the the, the fourth world living in within your fourth world like, you know, the, the heart chakra so independence living within your, your heart chakra you know the, the characteristics of that and you know press is you know i thought it was just more fitting than publication because we're a small entity So fourth world press that's essentially what it what it means
0: i like it i like it a lot so do you have is there any hints or any future publications that you're gonna publish soon yeah
1: i am um, you know we definitely want to do a second book eventually. Um, right now we're still kind of, we're still in like, yeah, this kind of, this book tour uh, phase of this book. Um, it's almost kind of like, you know, when you have an album, you know, where you go on tour and you're, 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 you're you know doing shows and you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. So we're kind of in that phase for this book. Um, but you know, we do want to write a different story. I, I do have a lot of good ideas that I've been kind of throwing back and forth. But in the meantime, you know, we have uh, things from, you know, uh, Filipino, like a uh, literacy, from historical Filipino, like that we're gonna um, publish for free because they're, they're in the public domain, but we wanna bring them, you know, from the Philippines over to um, America and have them accessible. You know, we're not gonna make a dime off of it because that's not the goal. The goal is like access um, and to translate. Uh, and, and to bring it, bring it forward and to, you know, um, and so that's, that's one of our, 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 projects right now. You know, we're going to be starting a food, food blog soon where we have like a lot of guest uh, um, bloggers um, from our community. Fourth World Village. Uh, yeah. Um, Fourth World Village, uh, people from our community, um, you know, do a, a blog spot on like, you know, their ethnic foods. I um, think, you know, Fung Nam, who's, you know, she did the, you know, piano composition to the the background music of this book. It's a three-piece part, our piece of, um, and so she did the piano piece that hopefully we'll get to the audio book soon as well, too, that, that we've already recorded it. We just kind of have to like polish it up and, you know, recording in COVID kind of like put a huge pause on that. But she's also a baker, Fung Nam um, is, and so she'll do like a guest blog, Um, spots on there too. My sister will, my wife will. So they do like fun stuff like that too. So we'll have like those little publications out. As we're getting more reception of this book, I think um, we're getting building more uh, ideas for the second story. And I think it's gonna be a good one. You know, I'm I'm, I'm really excited about starting on that one eventually too.
0: I love it. I can't wait to hear more about it and read it. So I have another question. Mm Why a children's book, of all things? I
1: spent, let's see, six years, and before that, three years, working in uh, the adult world in healthcare. And, you know, I, I've been at people's most vulnerable spots, you know, at the end of their journey. And, you know, when you're an ICU nurse at the bedside and you, you're hearing these impactful, empower, these powerful, vulnerable stories, you know, you, 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 you get all these lessons you know, and I always I always feel like, you know, I, for me, I always treat my my patients, you know, the way the way I would treat my family members, right? Like I care for them because like, I don't want to cause harm, all that. But and in in doing so though, that I you know, I've I've I s i have have I I've I've been able to hear these amazing stories from people at the very end of their life. And I wanted to take these lessons, these messages, and bring them to people as early as possible because I always feel that the sooner we can get people on their journeys to self-acceptance, self-love and to help them build their intrinsic value for themselves, I think the better the world will be. Right. And so, you know, when I set out to write this children's book, you know, I, I, I wrote it for children, but also for adults. And that's kind of like the style that we, you know, we, we, we do at Fourth WordPress, at least like you know, for the projects that I'm involved with, right? So I wanted to be able to have someone super young, you know, enjoy this book and as they go through the process, revisit keep revisiting this book and grow with it and find more Easter eggs within it and find more connection and growth from, from this book. Right. So I wanted to start early, but I also wanted to help guide along the way as well. So, you know, I felt children's books the easiest way cuz if a you know, a uh, young kid and seven-year-old can read it, any anybody can read it pretty much.
0: Yes, yeah, so and the children are our future.
1: They are, you know. You know and hopefully, you know, they, we can give them the keys to, you know, open the doors and be better people than than we were, we are, you know.
0: That's the goal, right? That's the goal and to read it with their family together. Yep. I see. That's absolutely beautiful. I have, I have another question. Would you say that, you know, while writing this, do you feel connected more to Vietnamese culture now or to American? Where are you on that timeline?
1: Yeah. You know, I'd say I'm connected to, you know, I'm connected to both now. Um, I think in writing this, I can, I realize how intertwined and how to live with both worlds the best of all worlds
0: that is very beautiful thanks in your own words how would you define what it is to be an american and what is american culture
1: yeah you know for me american culture and i mean i'm sure yes many people you get many different answers right but for me you know american culture means opportunity right it means being uh you know having the freedom for being creative you know to to have you know your, your freedoms essentially um and your opportunities uh and i think that's what's amazing about uh american culture is like you know for better or for worse people are unapologetic about you know who they are here um you know in the vietnamese culture you know, very it's very you know you have the elders uh that you really respect so you kind of like get a you know, peel back a little bit. Whereas American culture is like you know it's about you know individualisticness. It's in the creative world, it's being, really being creative. And so I really love, love love those pieces. And to me, that's that's what you know being, America is about. Is like you know opportunity, creativity, in, individualism. Um, and so I I love those those pieces about America.
0: Me too. What are some of the things that you hope that. Anyone who reads the day I woke up different um, would walk away with.
1: As I said earlier, you know this book is, you know, the way it ends. It's really the start of your journey, right? It, the ending kind of has, like it's not like an, you know, abrupt ending. It's kind of like, all right, you know, here you go. Now, you know, now now it's your turn to reflect and talk about your story. So I think my hope is that you know anyone who reads the story. Well, where wherever they're at in their journey of self acceptance, whether they're just starting that journey of self-acceptance or they have been on that journey is to, you know, start it or to reflect back at how far they've come to be proud of themselves. And that's hope what I hope they walk away with, you know, the day I woke up different.
0: Thank you so much. It was really wonderful chatting with you today. For the future, how are are we able to find your books? Do you have any um, links or anything you'd like to share with us and how we could find more of your work?
1: Yeah, you can um, go to www.fourthworldpress.com. You can find us on uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter even. Um, You know, we have like link trees to all our our websites, all our projects. Um, So those, you know, you can find that book there. You can, you know, it's now physical copies are now at Win, Win Luke Museum in Seattle. Um, and then, you know, we can find them in some libraries like the Multnomah County uh, Public Library in Portland, Oregon. So, you know, the the, the best place is uh, fourthworldpress, um, dot com.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. It was wonderful having you today.
1: My pleasure. My honor. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you.